headphones. Hi, everybody. Gosh. And welcome to So It's Come to This, a Simpsons family podcast. I am the father, Brian. Hello. Hello. My name's Corey. If you don't know me, why are you listening? <laughs> Next! I'm exhausted. I'm so tired. Why are we doing this today? Why are we doing this today? Why are we doing this well, tonight? Well, because we've been... When do you work tomorrow? Two. Oh, that's why we're doing it tonight, baby. We've been away for a while because we had some sickness run through our house. Luckily, nothing major, but enough oh, where says it was. you. Well, I mean, it wasn't anything serious Listen, like COVID or anything guys, like that. Guys, I was puking for like two days straight, and I hate puking, and it makes me cry, and I cried a lot for those two days. And then when I was done puking, then B started puking. It's true. And that was just it was just awful we were puking i missed two days of work i probably could have missed a whole week but you know me well if anyone cares i was fine so no one cares no one cares so but yeah so we are very sorry that it's been taking us so long to get back to you i'm not sorry I you mean, don't deserve content we from were us. we were sick right. so you don't. You don't deserve anything. Maybe from you us. should. Maybe you should be sorry for us. We're doing this. We were just. We were so sick. We're doing this for you. We're the two doing people this listening. for you, Timothy. And also, on top of that, there was some schedule uh, issue. I mean, not necessarily issues, but just schedule problems. Hi. We went away to Pittsburgh uh, this past weekend. All right. So thank you for joining us today. Again, sorry it's been so long. But Please stop apologizing. Happy to, to be here today. So I know it's been a while, so I don't know if anyone's still out there, but why don't we check our romper room shout out? I don't know where my mirror is. I mean, it's been a while, so it probably the mirror's gone. Mm-hmm. The, mirror, gone? the mirror left. Is it yes. gone forever? The mirror so. ran away. It was like, forget this. This lady, she's nuts. Um, oh wait, there it is. I found it. Hooray. Ready? Because it's real dirty because I've been gone for so long. So I'm going to have to clean it up real good. So uh, this no. is going to be real annoying and, uh, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> it's clean. Guys, okay, it's clean. Uh, who do I see? I see my friend Carl. I see Patrick and Lindsay. And I'm going to say baby's name. Baby is named Benji. And That's he has tra- transitioned from the Goo Goo Gaga Hour into a new podcast called What Happened? What Happened? <laughs> Sponsored, of course, as always, by Masterclass. Of course. Um uh hello to Susie and maurice and mike uh, otherwise known as boogeyman's closet which is actually a real podcast you can listen to if you're over 18 or if your parents don't like you um and buffalo's own don johnson i feel like i haven't been giving him enough love or any love so sorry about that don and don's probably like i'm used to it Don's like i haven't listened in months Don's like, who are you again? Um, hello to my best friend, Timothy, who probably has already forgotten me. Who are you again? Hello, Dolly. I don't know. I... Hello. Yes, thank you. 
Thank you. Um, Hello, Carl. No, I already said Carl. Hello, Jay and Joey and uh, Jasmine and Steve. Jasmine has like a plethora of otters, but I don't care about anyone but Steve. So there's that. Hi, everyone out there in TV land. This is Homer J. Um, saying hi to all the foxy ladies. Um, hello, TJ Cash, Karen, Georgia, my best friend, Sterling K. Brown. I'm sorry, Timothy. He doesn't know he's my best friend, though. So you don't have any competition. Hello to, um, hmm, who else? Pete Davidson, Colin Jost, Michael Che, Chris Red, and his crazy eyes. Uh, Cecily Strong, Chloe Fineman, just almost everyone on SNL except for the new people, but not the guy who does the uh, president impersonations because he's real good. I don't know his name, but those other two, get rid of them. Get them out of here. Hi, Punky. Um, <laughs> and hello also to Andy Samberg and Jorma and Akiva, who are the Lonely Island, and hello to Bill Hader and Fred Armisen. I'm really on an SNL kick. Yeah. Uh, and hello to Durs and Blake and Adam and Kyle. And hello to, I don't know who else, Anthony Mackey, Chris Evans, big fans, big fans. Ashley Birch and Glenn Howerton's also a fan. So is Charlie Day, not Rob. Rob's like forget you guys i'm like all right rob settle down good save there aya cash is also a fan and so is i can't say his actual name crappy jimmy <laughs> crappy he has a real he has a real first and last name but i don't i didn't bother learning it um and hello Isn't it something gear i think it's chris metal gear chris greer i think it is um hello peter satara and uh luther vandros is he dead oh man edit luther vandros out edit him out Peebo bryson though hello i feel like you're not dead um and hello to oh kenny g and michael bolton and um the new kids on the block and the band Sweet Sensation that Brian just learned about. And um, hello. Well, I will wrap this up. There are a ton of people I forgot. But hello to my best friend. The one, the only, Silver Fox himself, Dick Gear. Don't. No. Please, no. Guess what? Please. We did it. We did it. Great. No. You did it, and I did it, and you didn't really do anything. I've done nothing. But we did it. Is Peebo Bryson dead? No, Luther Vandross. Uh, He died in 2005. Oh, no, Luther! (laughs) Luther! Well, R.I.P., good buddy, and also R.I.P. Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters. Yes. You, um... You were a guy, and I didn't like the cut of your jib, but, uh... By all accounts, everyone thought you were great. And maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just a jerk. Am I a jerk? Email me. Tell me if I'm a jerk or not. I don't have maybe, to email you. Maybe you shouldn't. I don't have to email Maybe you shouldn't. I don't want to get hate mail. There's one person I know who listens to this who would probably just write me hate mail. 
just all day or day and it's is not it carl me? huh is it me it's nelly <laughs> or maybe okay. it's chingy who is chingy nelly doesn't like me how dare you nelly who are you kidding me right now you know who she nelly is nelly in the car all the time andale andale mommy yeah yeah uh oh what's coming tonight all right can we move on Go, go ahead. I already clapped and said we did it. Yes. Jeez. What more do you want from me? I don't know. But if you would like some more from us, you can feel free to reach out to us uh, through email. So it's come to this pod at gmail.com. Instagram. So it's come to this underscore pod or on Facebook. So it's come with the number two. This. What about Twitter? We don't talk about Twitter. But I don't want any hate mail. So just. Well, I always look at it first. So Think I will shield before... you from it. Think before you email me. All right. Well, uh, jumping into our Ion Springfield segment. Do we have an segment, email? We do not. People don't like us at all. Um, so our Ion Springfield segment. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you guys were gone. They're all saying. So Levi's has released a Simpsons line of clothing, which is getting rave reviews. So, By whom? I don't know, people. Uh, the iconic imagery from the series dons corduroy and denim pieces in a new collection by Levi's. The spring, Wait, summer... who's Don's corduroy? What? You said Don's corduroy. Oh, Don's corduroy. Don's corduroy is not a person. <laughs> Please cut this part out. Go ahead. So the spring, summer 2022 streetwear line immortalizes fan favorite characters, such as <laughs> on the back of an oversized denim jacket. I thought Dunce Corduroy was a person. Uh, sorry. Go ahead. So the streetwear... Um, <laughs> no! Keep going! I can't even keep laughing. Keep going. So the streetwear line immortalizes fan favorite characters, such as on the back of an oversized denim jacket featuring a patch of a crazy-eyed Bart and a selection of ringer t-shirts embossed with the memeable dancing Lisa and Millhouse on the front. Other highlights of the collection include a reversible puffer vest, patterned with blue skis and clouds, blue skies and clouds, a clear nod to the series' iconic opening credits. But the lineup's references to Springfield Elementary are what give it a trendy streetwear feel. Ooh, woo. Corduroy jacket and pants evoke a vintage school uniform, while a ride range of hoodies and tees are imprinted with scenes set at the series' fictional school. So I will be posting some images of some of these things if you are interested. Don't buy these. It so, sounds like a cash grab. No. No! I don't think The Simpsons has ever been part of a cash grab ever in their history. Are I... you joking? <laughs> yes. Clearly. Oh, okay. I'm too tired to know if you're actually yes. joking or So not. yeah, that should be noted that we are recording this rather late on a Sunday, so it's we'll see how this too goes. too late. I'm going to sleep. Good night, everyone. Nope. You came out. We're doing this. Good night. All right. So The Simpsons has been known for copying itself time and time again, and many are saying that they've done it again. Oh, Although this sakes. time, many are satisfied with the results. In a recent episode from season 33 called Pixelated and Afraid, a pair of Simpsons are stranded in the wilderness, and they're forced to confront their troubled relationship to ensure their survival, resulting in some funny fights, some nudity, and some thwarted attempts at hunting. If that sounds familiar, it could because an early Simpsons episode, The Call of the Simpsons, from Season 1, Episode 7, featured all of these story details, too. But I love that episode. 
Which one? The new one. Yeah, it was actually pretty good. It pretty much revolved around Homer and uh, Marge getting kind of trapped in the in the wild, and they kind of rekindle their relationship. Yeah, it was nice. While they're there. So, yeah, it was, it was kind of nice. But um, So, yeah, some people were kind of like, well, you know, they've done this already, but a lot of people are kind of arguing that there was enough differences with this episode that it didn't really bother a lot of people as um, some other people. Maybe if they've run out of original content, they should stop making the show. Perhaps. It's just a possibility. I, I mean, like... They're gonna keep going. They're milking it for all it's I worth. I know, they got renewed for another season. They did? Yes! Why? I don't know, man! Well, it's because when they were renewed, they were renewed for two seasons, and I believe next year is that second season. So we'll see what goes beyond that. So Al Jean has responded, this is my last item here, um, to people citing that the Simpsons predicted the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Oh my god. And obviously all of the horrible atrocities that are going on right there um, at this moment. Why did he respond to us? uh, So the moment in question occurs in a 1998 episode, Simpson Tide, where while on a nuclear submarine participating in a military exercise... Homer unintentionally fires the sub-captain out of the vessel into Russian waters, which then cuts to Russia revealing that the Soviet Union never truly dissolved. Troops and tanks descended upon the streets as the Berlin Wall is instantly resurrected. So Elgin said, historical aggression never really goes away and you have to be super vigilant. In 1998, when this clip aired, it was maybe the zenith of the U.S.-Russia relations, but ever since Putin got in, almost everyone has made it clear that he's a bad guy and bad things are going to happen. He went on to say there is the kind of prediction where we reference something that has happened, happening again. We hope it wouldn't, but sadly it does. Gene says adding the series will likely address how the world is changing, but viewers shouldn't expect a specific Russia-Ukraine reference. And he said, in terms of prediction, there are two kinds we have. The trivial, like Don Mattingly getting in trouble for his hair and Homer at the bat. And then there are the predictions like this. I hate to say it, but I was born in 1961, so 30 years of my life were lived with the specter of the Soviet Union. So to me, this is sadly more the norm than it is a prediction. We just figured things were going to go bad. So obviously we don't mean to make light of anything that's going on in the Ukraine right now um, and all the terrible things that are happening there. So, you know, our thoughts and um, go out to all anyone involved with that. And um, obviously there are many things you can do to try to help people from Ukraine. Um, there's a lot of uh, resources and things like that that you can use if you'd like to help out. So please look into those if you are able to. All right, so without any further ado... Why don't we jump in here to our episode breakdown? What do we got? Uh, hello everyone and welcome to our 58th episode. No one said hi to me. Oh, we're supposed to say hello? Yeah. Hello. Hello to everyone. That includes you two. Okay. Uh, well, this is called the Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie Show. It was season 8, episode 14. It was the 167th episode of The Simpsons. It had the production code 4F12. It originally aired on February 9th, 1997. It was directed by Stephen Dean Moore. It was written by David S. Cohen. 
and it guest stars Alex Rocco, 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 Loco, Rocco, Ruchu. You're broken. Ruchu? Ruchu and Phil Hartman. Okay. Thank you. There for is that. no chalkboard gag, and the couch <laughs> gag is a parody of their Sgt. Pepper's album cover. Yes, from the Beatles. Okay, so that's what that was. Yes. yes. I didn't understand it. That was Sgt. Pepper. Captain Salt and Sgt. Pepper. No. Captain Salt and Sgt. Pepper. Yes. Yeah. Salt and Pepper. <laughs> so, and that name you were struggling with is Alex Rocco. I don't know why it was so hard for you. Ruchi. Ruku? So, yes, Ruku. Good old Ruchi. Good old Ruko. All right, so just some things about this episode before we jump in. Um, this episode tops many best of Simpsons lists. Um, I'm not going to go into all the different ones, but Thank God. many, many people say that this is one of the best ones that they've done. They're wrong. It so, was fine. I, I don't know. I have it wasn't the best. <laughs> we'll talk later. So the episode was conceived as a commentary on what it's like to work on a television show that had been on the air for a long time, but was considered to be nearing its end which is kind of humorous that back in season eight they were considering that they were near their end yeah uh-huh. hmm. this was intended to show that the simpsons could still be good after eight seasons seasons even though it no longer had the shock value it did in the early years so before production of season eight began several executives at fox suggested the staff add a new character to the show sounds a little familiar to the plot of this episode Um, who would live with the Simpsons on a permanent basis in a bid to freshen up the series. So the writers found the suggestion, usually considered a sign of desperation to boost a flagging series, amusing. Therefore, much of the episode revolve around this trope. Parallel to the episode's main plot, where Poochie is introduced on the Itchy and Scratchy show to boost its ratings, the writers inserted the one-time character, Roy. (laughs) A college-dayed man who is shown to be living with the Simpsons with no explanation as to his character or his presence as a reference to the executive's proposal. Roy is the best part of this episode. I love Roy. So, but I do think that's kind of interesting that this is basically a reflection on the writers responding to what um, the executives wanted them to do with the show. So, uh, so this episode saw The Simpsons surpass the Flintstones for a number of episodes produced for an animated series and therefore deals with the issue of longevity and the problems that arise when the producers try to make a show, quote, fresh again. So this is the episode when, um, when they took the title of longest running animated, animated show? Yep, that is correct. Huh. And um, I saw that in syndication when this episode runs. A lot of times they'll do the couch gag that's a parody of the Flintstones. So obviously Makes they sense. didn't do it for the original running, but sometimes they put it into the syndication. So um, so a little bit about Roy here. So Roy was originally conceived for the Time and Punishment segment of the Season 6 episode Treehouse of Horror 5. So that's the one mm-hmm. Homer with the toaster. Yes. Don't touch anything. Yep. So, in that, he was supposed to live with the Simpsons in one of the alternate realities as a second teenage son in the family. So, David X. Cohen's initial vision for Poochie was that he would be annoying to fans because he was wealthy, aloof, and unlikable. He was also supposed to be the owner of a gold mine that Itchy (laughs) and Scratchy worked at. 
I don't know why that's so funny. And the only thing I could think is, like, maybe that was just a reaction to Mr. Slate on the Flintstones. Okay. Mr. Who? Mr. Slate. He was... He was the owner of the rock quarry where Fred and Barney worked. Correct. So I thought maybe that had maybe some sort of tie into it. Yeah, but yeah, but do. But if you're interesting on what the original script for... Yes, if you're interested in the original script for the first cartoon that showed Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie, um, listen to the episode DVD commentary because David X. Cohen reads basically the entire uh, breakdown of that segment, which I'm not going to read all here. So, Thank you. So in the episode, uh, the Itchy and Scratchy show's staff are shown. Almost all of them are based on the actual staff of The Simpsons. So if you are watching the episode and you want to pause, pause it, I can tell you exactly who everybody was. Who's the unibrow? So in the first scene at the production table, the person in the lower right corner wearing a squid t-shirt is supposed to be David X. Cohen. On the left side, the furthest away is Bill Oakley. Josh Weinstein is sitting next to him. And next to Weinstein is George Meyer, who is the writer who speaks out and gets fired. The animator shown designing Poochie, which would be unibrow, is the supervising director, director David Silverman. And as Silverman plays the tuba, one was drawn into the background of that scene. <laughs> Other writers who appear include Dan McGrath, Ian Maxtone Graham, Donick Carey, Ron Haig, Ned Goldreyer, and Mike Scully, who he needed to be added in later as the animators did not have a photo to use as a likeness. This episode also features the first use of Comic Book Guy's catchphrase, Worst Episode Ever, which was actually taken from an alt-TV Simpsons newsgroup. The show mainly deals with three themes commonly known as Jumping the Shark, instances that usually occur when a failing show adds a new character or major plot twist to boost ratings. The first is a commentary on adding a new character when the show is run for too long. So usually this is a technique used in shows that involve children who have grown up. This was the case with Oliver on the Brady Bunch. Yes. And Luke Brower on Growing Pains. Yes. And one would say, who was that little, uh, who's that little twerp on, um, no, it was also Growing Pains because they had a baby before Luke on Growing Pains, remember? Yes. The baby? Mm-hmm. And then she, I mean, she stuck around and grew up and stuff, I remember. Luke Brower, young Leonardo DiCaprio. Yep. But I think with Luke, it was more jumping the shark, though, because he wasn't really part of the family. Right, he was just, he just like a foster kid that yeah. appeared or just something, Just like Cousin right? Oliver on the Brady yes. Bunch. Cousin Oliver, Cousin Oliver, that freaking kid. Okay, I'm sorry. So the technique was also used in cartoons, Ooh. notably. Also, Family Ties had a baby to save the show. And it didn't work. Nope, it did not. But, so obviously, um, one of the cartoons where this happened, the addition of Scrappy-Doo to the oh, Scooby-Doo animated series 10 years after its debut. Scrappy-Doo. The best character you Worst mean? Worst character Mm-mm. you mean? No. Puppy power! No. Didn't Richie love Scrappy-Doo? Yes. Yes, he did. Um, so both Poochie and Roy are used to reflect this by attempting to keep the Itchy and Scratchy show and the Simpsons family fresh, respectively. Another theme is the notion of network network executive forcing ideas onto a show. So the interaction between the writers and the network, network executives in the episode underscored the differences between them. 
So the writers understand the show's inner workings, but the network executives approach improvements to the show from a business point of view. They try to incorporate what they see as a rebellious character with the comment, this is popular with the kids, but the viewers later reject the character. The writers themselves are satirized in the episode and are depicted as lazy and pretentious with few original ideas. And the last theme is the viewer backlash and obsession with internal consistency. So earlier in the episode, Homer and June Bellany attend an in-store appearance as part of the promotion of the character Poochie. And they are asked a question of internal consistency, like the fans do all the time. A few other quick things here. Again, with Roy, um, he was kind of a character who was supposed to be like echoing Fonzie from Happy Days. He sounded like Harry Connick Jr. Yeah, and he calls Marge and uh, Homer Mr. and Mrs. S, Mm -hmm. which of course is what Fonzie used to do on Happy Days. So now this was interesting. I never noticed this before. The backwards ball cap and untucked checkered shirt worn by Poochie or Roy closely resemble costuming used by the thematically similar Growing Pains character, Luke Brower. Yes! Yes! (laughs) Oh my god! Right? Yes! And also, the two of them are basically wearing similar outfits. But none of them... and Roy. None of them are as dreamy as Leonardo DiCaprio was. (laughs) Correct. I don't understand. You don't understand what? I don't understand why TV shows try to keep their property going for so long why they um want to keep like like these uh pretty low maintenance um sitcoms going for so long because Because they make money hold on the advertising i'm talking about a writer point of view writers don't care about money we all know this they care about artistic ideas that's not true okay uh that's not true at all but Assuming that, why wouldn't you want to do something different after 10 years? Are you talking about writers? Yeah. A lot of them do. Like, for example, with The Simpsons. I know that a lot of Writers have come and gone. Right. And in most shows, that's what happens. It's not very common that you have the same writing team throughout the entire show. Well, then, if you don't have the same writing team, why keep it going? Writing is the only thing that keeps a show, uh, keep, anything. Right. Um, So then the shows just bring in other writers to keep it going, because as the years go along, it becomes more and more popular, and back, especially back in the day, not so much anymore, but back then, advertising revenue was everything. And, of course, advertisers wanted to advertise to the shows that were most popular and would pay the most to those particular shows to advertise on them. So, therefore, the network's point of view is this show is super popular. It's number one in the ratings. We want to keep it going as long as possible until it starts to drop in the ratings, and then they don't care anymore. Great. So that's the short answer to that. I'm... Okay. Okay. All right, and just two final things here. Of course, Itchy and Scratchy are based on Tom and Jerry. And as a boy, series creator Matt Groening and his friends would fantasize about an ultra-violent cartoon and how much fun it would be to work on a show like that. And last but not least, June Bellamy. She's a tribute to voice actress June Foray, 
who is best known as the voice of Rocky the Squirrel from Rocky and Bullwinkle. All right, so let us jump in here, talking about Act 1. So in Act 1, Krusty the Clown threatens to stop broadcasting the Itchy and Scratchy show because the cartoon causes his ratings to nosedive during that segment of his show. Cartoon producer Roger Myers, which Alex Rocco, I think, does an amazing job with his voice, Mm -hmm. convenes a focus group to discover why the Itchy and Scratchy show has lost its appeal. In the focus group, Lisa explains that the characters have lost their impact on audiences after being on the air for so long. So Myers decides that the cartoon needs a new character, Poochie, a dog with attitude, who surfs, raps, and plays electric guitar. At Bart and Lisa's suggestion, Homer auditions for Poochie's voice and gets the part. Act 1. You guys got anything? Uh, yeah. When Homer's recording his voice Mm -hmm. and Bart plays it back for him, I really wanted it to be a completely different voice. So bad. And then we we have very interesting lines of, is the entire Simpsons show and story told in Homer's point of view? Because uh, he never really hears his own voice. So if, if it's played on his point of view throughout the entire show, then we have we have an interesting idea for for a beeline in the show because we have a, we have a clear parallel to the simpsons with itchy and scratchy in the show so we can we can explore that deeper this isn't the right show to explore I, I, deep ideas like that this isn't that show but the one argument i would have is we hear homer's voice so why would hearing a recording of homer's voice be any different because if we're hearing it hearing homer's voice from homer's perspective we but i hear... don't think we are right but they could say that we are for this episode and that could set up some interesting questions gotcha um but then i realized that this is the simpsons and they don't set up interesting questions they just go haha laugh at funny fall down mm-hmm. um and then and then you're supposed to laugh you can cram it with walnuts, ugly. <laughs> what? It was a line from the episode. Oh, okay. And it's time for another fan schmambulous episode I... of Itchy and Scratchy. Yes. <laughs> so, Corey, anything stick out to you? Um, I have a bunch of stuff here, but I don't remember what it means. Um, okay. I said, I do too, Marge. So she must have done something or said something. <laughs> But um, I don't know. Did it have to do with Marge's weird um, reveal to Bart? What was that? I don't even remember. All right. So just a little quick aside. So we watched this several days ago with the understanding that we were going to record that night. And then we didn't end up recording. Corey, what I'm referring to is the fact that Marge says, an occasional hug is all I ask. And then Bart says, Mom, you can hug me when I'm asleep. And then she says, I do. <gasps> yeah, I do too. <laughs> to That's, who? To, yes, to who? You're asleep before anyone else in this house. But I wake up in the middle of the night. That's true. You know, sometimes I open your doors and I make sure you guys aren't stolen. I'm always... Yeah, a- even still. I'm almost always awake when you wake up. Not at at like 4.30 in the morning. You don't know that. Sometimes you're not, though. 
You're ridiculous. I'm going to start locking my door. Well, maybe the kids feel this way about us the same way that Bart and Lisa do, that they love their parents, but it's not like they have to see them every day. That's incredibly... No, I can't say it's mean. It's true. (laughs) So I did happen to catch this. Krusty's dressing room door. There's a sign on it that says cleaning crew. The liquor's not for you. Oh! Which I thought was kind of funny. One kid really seems to love the Speedo guy, though. What? In that, in that testing area. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to talk about that. <laughs> so, oh, do, 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 do you remember Ralphie. what we're referring to with that? Yeah, yes, because Nelson was cranking uh, Milhouse's knob to like for Mr. Speedo, man. <laughs> so, before Speedo we get to Ralphie, man. which is one of the best parts of this episode. Knob tastes funny. So... Obviously, we've talked a little bit before about things that have kind of come out after the fact as being problematic. Is this one of those instances? Okay. I I figured so, but just figured I would just kind of bring it up. So, and problematic because it shouldn't be a problem. Yes. You know, that he's doing that, correct? Okay. Ha ha ha, look at this kid. He likes guys in Speedos. Right. Who cares? Yes. Dean likes Um, guys in Speedos. Dean does guys in Speedos. I do also like when... Allegedly. When they're in there and the the guy's talking to them when he's trying to do the research and everything. Mm-hmm. And he says, okay, so you want episodes that deal with real life situations uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. and problems that you deal with every day. Yeah. As well as the opposite, which means... They're getting into far-out situations Uh involving robots and magic powers. Yes. So you want a realistic, down-to-earth show that's completely off the wall and swarming with magic robots. Yes. That sounds like The Simpsons. Please refrain from tasting the knob. And don't forget to win things by watching. Oh. taste funny. (laughs) The knob. And then when he, when the guy is like, what do you want? And Ralph starts crying and just keeps hitting dislike. This, the red side. Yes. Yeah, I don't like this. And oh my, to me, that is like the funniest part of this whole episode. And a very fine Simpsons moment. Like, it's very, very funny when he does that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did happen to notice that, and I'm sure this was very difficult to do. But the animation, whenever anyone was, like, near the mirror, yeah, that it was kind of off. Yeah. Like, they weren't moving at the same time, their right. mouths weren't moving at the same time, you know, things like that. So, again, I'm sure that was very hard to do, but it did just kind of bother me a little bit. I also have on here, you mean Cerebus? No. You mean Cer... Cerberus? Cerberus? Yes. I spelled Cerberus wrong, and it looks like Cerebus. And I don't know what that is, and I I don't know what this means, so maybe can you elaborate? Yes. That is when when Roger Myers and the writers are talking together, and they're trying to figure out what the new character is going to be. And he says, you must respect the animal chain of command, mouse, cat, and dog. And he said, you know, the original dog from hell. And that's when the writer says, you mean Cerberus? And then he says, no, a dog with attitude. He's edgy and in your face. You've heard the expression. Oh, and then this is the woman executive who sounds just like Lindsay Nagel. You but it's not Lindsay Nagel. Busy? Well, this dog gets busy. 
Consistently and thoroughly. Proactive, a totally outrageous paradigm. And then the one writer, aren't those just buzzwords that dumb people try to say to sound important? Not that I'm saying that you're dumb or any of those things. I'm fired, aren't I? I did really like the part where after Roger Myers leaves Krusty's uh, office and he slams the door, the door falls off the hinges yeah. and it's just laying on the ground and you see Mel waiting outside and then Krusty's secretary says, you can go in now. <laughs> and then Mel just goes in and says that he's soliciting uh, donations for the Rock and Roll Museum and then... Krusty gets very angry, so then he says, I'll come back later. I prefer to listen to Cheap Trick. <laughs> yes. Uh, why didn't the glass on that door shatter? The glass on that door should have shattered. This show, this episode goes from like a 4 out of 10 to a 11 out of 10 if that glass shattered. <laughs> yes, obviously. Yeah. Are you saying that that wasn't re- realistic? No. <laughs> uh, Corey, any thoughts about the kids in the department store with Marge while she's shopping for a brassiere. <laughs> I need to purchase a brassiere. <laughs> so the thing that I was thinking about was the the guy that walks up to them. Yeah. And they just go off with him. Yeah. yeah. Like, hey kids, come with me. Kids are real dumb. Yep. Not you, Caleb, but... But when they do go into that panel room and the guy says... He's trying to assure them that everything's on the up and up. And he says, be honest, because no one from the show is here spying on you. And then the... Mirror sneeze. The mirror sneezes. <laughs> Why is that old mirror sneezing? Uh, It's just an old creaky mirror. Sometimes it sounds like it's sneezing or coughing or talking softly. <laughs> and then he turns and gives them all thumbs up in the mirror. <laughs> Lisa figures it out. She figures out how to save Itchy and Scratchy, and then immediately a lawyer runs out and says, please sign these papers indicating you did not save Itchy and Scratchy. Right. Mm-hmm. I also have here, we were eating rotisserie chicken. Does that mean anything? Yes, it does. That was the writers. So Otto makes the comment when he's reading the script as Poochie, and he says, whoa, what were they, a talking dog? What were they coming up with? Or what were they smoking when they came up with the idea for that? And the writer says, we were actually eating rotisserie chicken. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, Roger Myers thought Otto, Otto was perfect until Troy McClure came up. And then he and, was perfect. Yeah, and he said that, you know, that he was better than perfect, and next to him, perfect looks like crap. And Troy McClure, you may remember him from cartoons such as Christmas Ape, and Christmas Ape goes to summer camp. <laughs> Christmas ape goes to summer camp. That's, I think Troy McClure just whenever Troy McClure is on the, uh, the on the episode, like when we first see him, I think he's my favorite part of any episode. Yeah, Troy McClure is great. That's just such a tragedy; couldn't stick around. It's just that joke I could have forever. Yeah, and I would never get old. Get get tired of it. Get have sadness because of it. Right. That's what I'm going with, and you can't convince me that there was a better way to say that. Okay. Alright, so real quick before we move on here, when Homer mentions, Brenda, you brought it up already about hearing his voice back and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Everyone always says when they hear their voice recorded back and they hear it, that it's kind of 
freaky. And, it's wrong. Oh my gosh, is that what I actually saw? It's wrong. So, any thoughts on hearing your voices recorded I for the first it. time? The recorder, the the computer is not picking up my voice correctly. I'll tell you that much, because that's not my voice. Yes, it is. No, it's not. No. It is. You know, you're lying to me. That computer is broken. Your computer is broken. It has to be. So, what are your thoughts, Corey? I hate it. Why? I'm real annoying and loud, apparently. <laughs> You're none of those things. How did I ever manage to have friends, let alone find someone to marry me with a voice like this? Like, why didn't everyone just leave? <laughs> Being way too hard on yourself. No, my voice is awful. It's not. Dulcet tones. Okay. Dulcet tones. Sure. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else for Act 1? All right. On to Act 2. So to promote Poochie, Homer and voice actor June Bellamy, who's the voice of Itchy and Scratchy, makes several publicity stops where they encounter the show's hardcore fans. Homer invites his friends and relatives to watch the first Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie show. However, the cartoon is full of asinine antics, with none of the show's flair or trademark violence. Unimpressed by the manic Poochie character, Homer's friends and family say little as they leave. Act 2. Anything you guys got? I mean, Flanders was a big fan because they were way better than Impy and Chimpy. <laughs> it's the best episode of Impy and Chimpy I've ever seen. That would be Flanders' favorite episode. He would have watched uh, one in the corner of his eye and be like, no. <laughs> and then and then when Poochie came on screen, he'd be like, you know that, that meme of, is it Drake? Yes. yes, yes. Yeah, that would be pretty good. And when are they getting to the fireworks factory? <laughs> Poor Millhouse. Then he starts crying. Because <laughs> they don't get there fast enough. <laughs> um, Brenda, I think you kind of uh, laughed at this part. When Homer's talking to June Bellamy, and she reveals that she played the Roadrunner. Meep. And he goes, you did me meep? And she goes, no, I did meep. And then they looped it. Bastards. <laughs> it's very good. I like it at. So in reality, that phrase was voiced by Paul Julian. So this was kind of just one of those jokes that came pretty quick, but I thought it was very funny. Was when Homer's recording his voiceover, and he asks about the animation of the cartoons, and he thinks that the animators are drawing it as they're speaking. <laughs> and June Bellamy says, very few cartoons are broadcast live. It's a terrible strain on the animator's wrist. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Was The, Sim- the Simpsons wasn't animated hand-handly dra- drawn. Yes. No. Yes, in Korea. No. Hmm. You're lying to me. Not. Don't lie to me i'm not um we kind of already talked about this but doug the nerd when they're having the uh the q a yeah and the question he asked about the magic xylophone and the fact that one rib makes the same sound as the next rib yeah. and he hopes that someone gets fired for that blunder and then homer puts him in his place and says why would a man whose shirt says genius at work spend all his time watching a children's show and then the guy doug just goes I retract my question. Just sits down. 
And this, of course, was a reflection on how the writers feel about the fans obsessing about internal consistency. Uh, fanboys are the worst. Yes. I do actually have a problem with that, though. Why? I have a, not a significant, but a small problem with uh, certain times when it feels like writer writers or creators are attacking their fan base for very little reason. Um, when they do something explicitly wrong, yes, you need to, you need to fix it and address it, but when it's just something pedantic and something that's not harming anyone, just let it be, because that's what they enjoy, that's what they want to do. You shouldn't shame them based on what they what they choose to spend their free time on that you don't know what's going on in their life you don't know why they are studying these and as long as they're not attacking anyone about it which they normally don't uh it's fine also i hate this exaggerated character that is uh, that was it's not so much anymore but was omnipresent in like every type of media of the comic book nerd fat kid who's who's like there's nothing wrong with being any of that and it's always like oh you're so gross because you're you're taking all this too seriously and no this is something this is their escape this is what they they use and you do not get to tell them that they're doing it wrong you do not get to tell them that you can't enjoy this uh for this reason, you have to enjoy it for this reason. You can't, uh, like, uh, you can't, what it feels like they're doing is telling their fans that they can only enjoy their show, uh, just watching it casually. You can't, uh, look into the details because, like, listen, I don't care. Like, I... I'm going to rant and my words aren't going to make sense because I'm very tired, so what I'm saying won't make sense. I'm just putting that out there, but I, I need to make this point. It feels like what they're trying to say to their fans is you need to only uh, consume this show in one way instead of you. we are making this for you, you can do whatever you want with it, which is what it should be. Like, not whatever besides the point um because people enjoy different things for different reasons and it doesn't matter what people do as long as they're not harming anyone else or themselves and they aren't and they're and this person who has done nothing wrong is being attacked and every single character is like yeah get him because 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 this person shouldn't care about these things. Whatever. Okay, but what I would say in response to that is that some people take it way too seriously and try to overanalyze this stuff that really does not need to be overanalyzed so much, as I say on a podcast where we talk about a Simpsons episode for two hours. But regardless, it also leads to too much negativity and negative fan bases and toxic fan bases and things like that by having 
things like that. I think Bart says it best in the third third act, which obviously we're not in yet, when he's talking to Comic Book Guy, and Comic Book Guy's trying to tell him how horrible it is, and Bart asks him, what right do you have to complain? And then Comic Book Guy says, as a loyal viewer, I feel that they owe me. And then Bart says, owe you? They've given you thousands of hours of entertainment for free. What could they possibly owe you? If anything, you owe them. And then all Comic Book Guy can say back in return is worst episode ever. So with that, I understand what you're saying. Everyone is entitled to say things. and But what has happened with the invention of the internet and things like that is it has gotten worse and worse and worse where people just start nitpicking every little teeny tiny thing to the point where it turns toxic and starts to become a problem. And then, honestly, I think what ends up happening, like in the case of Star Wars... I think what ended up happening is they were so sick of hearing all of the negative stuff that they just tried to completely pivot and just say, okay, we're just going to give you everything you want now. And that also didn't work. That's, that's so That is what happened. That's what, happened what they tried to do with episode nine. They were just like, okay, you didn't like this last one. Then we're going to totally shift and we're going to do everything that you say you want. What happened? And it failed. What happened was they hired J.J., and J.J. doesn't know how to make a, re- a good movie. Okay. That's what happened. Uh, but no, but I, I, do I not... see your point with all of this, but I can also see the creator's point as well, that, yes, people take it way too seriously sometimes, and they get so caught up in the minutiae of all this, which also could be that shows how much they love for the show and things like that, and they want what's best for the show. But there should be another way to go about doing it. I don't think um, uh, pointing out flaws that you may see or like little problems that you see is a uh, leads to a to a uh, toxic fan base. That does not lead to a toxic fan base. What leads to a toxic fan base is uh, um, I can't think of words. Okay. Words are not coming to me. Well. That's not my point. With that, hold on. We're talking about toxic fan base, and you're saying it doesn't harm anyone and everything like that. What about the case of you start attacking the actor? Yes. And going after them. I. You That's didn't how let me starts. finish. You didn't because let me you finish. Didn't finish. You didn't. Be, I was about to. Okay. Say besides my point, what when it becomes a problem is when it starts harming other people. Right. When it starts because. And that's what leads to it. Because the no, it's not. You what we need to learn to do as a as a unit, as a world, is separate art from the artist. You don't attack the art artist for the art, and you you can like a piece of art even if you don't like the artist. Uh, and that's what people have a problem with. That's uh, and that's where we need to draw the line. We can't attack people. We have to attack art. People are not the problem. But let me let me bounce this off of you. We all know Kanye, who is a musical genius. He at the peak of his game, he was 
on top of the world, musically, production-wise, everything. We also know that Kanye suffers from many mental issues, and he is not on meds, and his entourage is a bunch of yes-men. He just released a video in which he decapitates Pete Davidson, who is dating his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. And is encouraging fans And is encouraging to fans to hurt Pete Davidson. Is that right? No! What is... Is is this off of something that I said? Is this... Well, I, you, you say we need to separate the art from the artist, and that's true in a lot of cases, but in cases like Kanye, where he is decapitating Pete Davidson in a video, or a character... And you could say till the cows come home, that's not Pete Davidson. It looks exactly like Pete Davidson. Right. Like he him, knew what he was doing. Yeah. So is what about in cases like that, or in awful cases like R. Kelly, who Bill Cosby, kept, who kept young girls like locked inside his house, and when he was thirty, married fifteen year old Aaliyah. We don't. We don't have stop, to. Stop, we don't stop, have stop, to get into stop. what he did. We all know what he did. But. What about in cases like that? Then it's hard to separate the art from the artist. It is, yes. Especially if the art is something like Kanye's creating, which is this twisted view where he's decapitating an actual person. Yeah, where it can be harmful. Yeah. Yes. Uh, And I don't know, I think that we draw the line there when the art itself is harmful. Right, okay. But, um... If the art itself is harmful, I have a hard time separating the art from the artist, but I have been doing a lot better with not judging anyone if they like a piece of art who I have a lot of fundamental problems with the artist. That's I have fair. a uh, been getting a lot better at saying, all right, that is fine. You can have that opinion. Um I, I don't find it very easy to separate the art from the artist. Uh, it's, it's just, especially when it comes to like, comes from like music things or something, or like the Cosby show where it's mostly uh, the work of one person and that one person, or like Harry Potter, uh, and that one person is the problem. Um, I find it really hard to separate that, but... I have no problem with someone who who can and right. who who likes the art even if the artist is a terrible person. But like you said, we have to know when the artist is creating hateful art. Mm-hmm. That's when we have to stop that art from right. happening. And and when when an artist is is uh is promoting their their fan base into attacking another person like i said we need to keep uh, keep people away from their art so uh so just because you like someone's song doesn't mean that you like them as a person you and that also doesn't mean that you should do what they say and start attacking these other people like it's such a shame too because Kanye is Kanye is a genius, I'll say it. 
But if Kanye was female in doing this, he would have been put into a conservative ship like that, and he's not. All right, so basically just to kind of wrap all this up, I would say, like, essentially what you're saying is that being critical of someone's work, you should have the ability and you shouldn't be shamed for criticizing someone for their work or pointing something out for their work and everything like that. What I think they're saying here, because you did say something along the lines of, oh, I think the writers are trying to say that you shouldn't be critical, that you should just just take all of this and just be happy with what you're getting. I feel what they're essentially saying is like, it's fine to criticize us, but to get all worked up about the minutia of all these things and like, well, why doesn't this make sense? And why doesn't that? And, you know, and like the specific example they point out, the fact that you're hitting a rib and one rib is different yeah. sound than the other. Like that is just such a minor little detail for what is happening in that scene that I think that's what they're kind of just critiquing and just saying like, Hey, just pull back on stuff like that. Right. But why do they care? Why is it their job to tell their audience, this is not what you should care about, this is what you should care about? That person can care about whatever they want. I don't care about what they care about. They can care about whatever they want. Even if I don't think I think it's stupid and I would never I would never care about it. That doesn't mean that their v- viewpoint is any less valid. Mm-hmm. Their viewpoint is valid. Their opinions are valid. We need to stop shaming people for their viewpoints. And I you're it still feels like you what you were saying feels like they're telling people don't look at this part look at this part like it and that's not how you should address your audience you're you're giving them something and they can take whatever they want from it as long as they don't attack you as long as they don't attack the artist or any other person it is fine okay all right. Well, we could keep talking about this till the cows come home. So, but let's move on here. So, but good points and good discussion. So, all right. Um, just real quick with this act, I did appreciate when a comic book guy is trying to take control of the crowd, and he's basically saying everyone only gets one autograph, and then he walks right up, cuts, and, and says right. there will be no cutting and everything, and then he walks through everybody, and then he throws down three pictures right. right in front and he goes you know i'll take uh one for myself and three more for my friends of the same name <laughs> that was great um Corey, what did you think about uh poor jasper when he's watching the episode when he sits down behind bart and says is this seat taken little girl <laughs> Bart says i'm not a girl are you blind and he just goes yes, yes. poor jasper <laughs> and we see roy again he shows up again well, it was uh, the introduction of Poochie was just as historic as a man walking on the moon in 1969. And then, 1969, 1971, and that's it! And then walking on the moon again in 1971. And then for a long time, nothing happened. <laughs> Why were they playing golf on the moon? That is what they did the first time, just to kind of show what would happen in zero gravity when they tried to drive a golf the- ball. The moon isn't zero gravity. The moon has a gravitational pull. Well, how it would act differently on the moon than it would on Earth. 
So, initial thoughts on Poochie? I I don't know why everyone didn't like Poochie. <laughs> I think that that if that was the actual episode, everyone would have loved it. Especially at that time. Yeah. Poochie was something. It was. Poochie it, was something. It felt very like tongue in cheek. It felt like they're they're a it the the itchy actual itchy and scratchy episode felt like a a sarcastic point of view on what the Simpsons episode is trying yes. to say. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, and I don't know why. And everyone hates it, but like it it doesn't feel like serious, like uh, Family Matters or. What other shows like Family where they ties. where they actually try to to insert this character? It feels well, Family Matters did it too. Stefan Arkell. So Stefan Arkell was the alter ego of yes, Steve Urkel, brought in to try to keep the show going. New character introduced. It it feels like they're being sarcastic about it, and I honestly think that the Itchy and Scratchy episode does a better job of getting their point across than the Simpsons episode does. Well, I think they put a lot into the Itchy and Scratchy episode yes. to show that. Yeah, no, I, I understand that that is, that is the creator's thing, and that's so good, but like I feel like they explain it too much in the Simpsons episode. Um, so, Corey, you did kind of bring this up a little bit already, like especially with Ned and his thoughts, but when everybody's having the impressions of the episode... Yeah. And Carl is, like, hanging around. Yeah. And he's like, uh, yeah. You should be very proud, Homer. Got a beautiful, beautiful home here. <laughs> <laughs> Just walks away. Well, Poochie is based off Barney, you know. Poochie's based off... Oh, yes. Yeah, Barney makes you that not... reveal. Yes. Okay. Barney says that he heard Poochie was based off of him. When they're getting ready to watch the episode. I don't remember yeah. that happening. And but probably the best part of that, the best reaction, is when Homer looks to the family when everyone leaves. And I can't remember if it's Lisa or Bart, but one of them just goes, Mom, can we go to bed without dinner? Yes, yes we can. Yes, we can. <laughs> and they just run away immediately. Yep. I love that Marge goes with them. Yes. That's, yeah. That's the best part. So. All right, anything else for Act 2? Mm, no. All right. Act 3. Myers decides to kill off Poochie, but Homer resolves to save him. At the next recording session, Homer goes off script and implores the audience to give Poochie a chance. The show's, the show's production team appears moved by Homer's plea. However, when the episode airs, Myers has dubbed over Homer's voice. Poochie gets clumsily removed from the shot with a handwritten title that explains, Poochie died on the way back to his home planet. <laughs> the studio audience cheers as Krusty displays an displays an affidavit swearing Poochie will never return. Homer feels betrayed, but attributes the affair to the fickle nature of show business. So, alright, Act 3. Anything you guys got with I, Act 3? I didn't understand why Act 3 was in it. I didn't get it. I It felt very anti their point. It felt like they made a point, and then they went back on it. And also. I didn't get it. So, the point was... Uh, all these shows were like introducing these characters just to just to have another another chance, and then 
and they would usually drop in ratings, but, like, whatever, it was their only option. And, uh, so, now, the show drops in ratings significantly after that Poochie episode, right? So, they decide to kill it off, but the the person that we're following, Homer, tries to save Poochie, who we are, up to this point, supposed to feel like Poochie is just a corporate sellout of a character that, that, um, was built, uh, was built just to get the show more, more, more views and, and more money, and wasn't anything else. And now we, we want... The audience wants Homer to succeed and get Poochie to, um, to come back and all that, but it, but given all of the setup that they've given with Poochie, it doesn't feel right. So can I talk about the broader strokes of this episode and why I feel like it does a, doesn't it falls a little short of its goals. Go for it. So I feel like the creators tried to do two things at once and by doing that they took away from both of the messages so one is the corporate how much sway uh corporate has on uh on the creation of a tv show and that's with the act one and two and poochie being created as this shallow character that does that does nothing but sell sell more toys and get their views up. Uh, and then Act 3 feels like a dive into how actors get too deep into their characters and the lines start blurring and they feel like their characters are real. And not they feel like their characters are real, but like um, they they develop a care for their characters and want them to succeed more than themselves. And like and uh, I feel like it's about it. It feels like they're trying to get across the unhealthy nature of uh, of certain. I, I don't know how to put my words aren't working. Um, I can't. I think you know what I'm trying to say. I don't, actually. And I don't know if I agree with what you're saying. Homer, um, defending Poochie over and over again, even though it's this shallow character, uh, that doesn't actually mean anything, or at least that's what we're supposed to believe, uh, it feels like Homer is latching on to Poochie because, uh, he played him, and he feels as if uh, he deserves better, right? But Homer tries to grow the character. Because Homer realizes that what they're doing with the character really wasn't a good move to begin with. And he's trying to grow the character, and that's why he has the heartfelt speech as Poochie to try to give him another chance and things like that. So that's what I would say. Like, okay. I feel like Homer just feels like Poochie didn't get a fair shake. Okay. I see I see where you're where you're coming from and that makes sense. Um so my original point is definitely not correct because I watched this episode a while ago and uh, I don't remember much about okay. it and I I Continue. thought that yes. I was making a point and I probably wasn't. Okay. That's fine. Anyway, even even if that is the thing, it still feels weird that they would that they would want us 
want the audience to care so much about uh, Pucci becoming successful when the entire idea and the entire premise behind it was just to make money you know mm -hmm. it it feels it feels wrong it feels wrong towards the episode to what the episode is trying to but say. But I think that's why they kind of shift it and just completely get rid of him anyway, even after all of that. But that's... I feel, it feels like they're trying to have a melancholy ending at the end. It doesn't feel like they're saying, oh, he was a flawed character from the beginning, so oh, we're no, just going to get I'm rid of him. I'm not saying that they realize that they made a mistake with the character. They are realizing they made a mistake because the character's not making money. So they're doing a knee-jerk reaction yeah. and just completely getting rid of the character right away without putting any forethought into what can we do to make this better, you know, things like that. Just, no, let's just immediately abandon it. So I think that was kind of what the writers were saying here is that's kind of another thing that a studio will bug you to make all these changes to make it better, but then as soon as it doesn't work then they just scrap it and be like, well, we never told you to do that. And they just try to pull back. Like, that's kind of what I'm seeing. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. And, okay, I like that. I, I, I like that, that. That I just, I guess I just didn't understand Act 3, and that makes sense. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I yeah, just said no. that's how I feel about yeah, it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That may, I, I, I like that, that, that view on it a lot better than my view, and I'm glad that we had this conversation so that I could, I could see what, um, what was going on because honestly, I didn't understand what was, what was happening mainly because I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> All right. So in Act 3, there's at the very beginning, there's a part where Homer's hiding in the closet, and he's kind of listening in on what they're going to do to Poochie. Oh, and all that hate mail. Yes. So That's a lot of hate mail. Apparently, that was a reference to, what? to uh, Jay Leno. So reportedly, he eavesdropped on a conversation between NBC executives on whether he or David Letterman would be replacing Johnny Carson as the host of The Tonight Show. In kind of like a similar situation where he was hiding somewhere no. as the conversation was going on. Really? Him to try to figure out what was happening with that. So that's what they're saying. They're saying that's that that was sneaky. kind of a direct reference to all of that and everything that went on with that whole thing. So That is very sneaky. Yeah. Uh, Corey, did you have anything for Act 3? Mm. I put Debu. Does that mean anything to you? Deboo? Deboo? You gotta stop this thing. I'm getting egged on the street. Louder, angrier, and have access to a time machine. Any of this hitting anything? I'm still trying to figure out Deboo. Are yaks mad when they're in heat? I also have that question. Put a sock in at Roy is another question. Or not a question so much as a statement. Nothing is bigger than curly fries. Anything, anything hidden. I, I don't know. Like I'm looking <laughs> through here, and it's like, I mean, those are all just like just random. Like... I love these stupid writers, especially Unibrow. Okay. <laughs> I have to go now. My planet needs me. Okay. Well, we know what that was. I forgot to ask for any money. Well, live and learn. Those are my notes for Act 3. Did anything hit? Um, so let's see. Let me go through here. 
Um, I, I guess I'll just kind of go through what I have here, and we'll see if there's any overlap. Note to self. Don't watch the episode several days before we record. All right. Um, okay. They're... The family's Eboo. all... The family's talking. I'm trying to figure that out. I have no idea. But the family's talking, and they're talking about Poochie, and they're saying that, you know, he's not very good. I think Lisa makes the comment that he was a soulless byproduct of committee thinking. And at that point, they're sitting around the table, and I thought this was kind of funny, and again, kind of tongue-in-cheek to their own show. You can't be cool by spouting out a bunch of worn-out buzzwords. Don't have a cow, Lise. That's what Bart says. And then Marge says, Bart's right. Let's none of us have a cow. <laughs> um, let me see. What else? You gotta stop this thing? I'm getting egged on the street? I, that's... I don't know what you're talking about. No, that about. was Krusty. Oh, Krusty's yeah. getting egged on the street. Yeah, because Krusty has a, uh, a, a complete breakdown you know, of everything that's going on, and part of that is getting egged on the street, and that whole breakdown is just perfect. I just absolutely loved it. It was delivered very, very well by Dan Castellaneta. Um, and the Lindsay Nagel character, when they're trying to discuss what went wrong, and she'd say, I'd say the fundamental failure led to shifts in our key demographic, coupled with the overall crumminess of Poochie. And, okay, the time machine, here we go, yes. Corey. So that was one of Homer's suggestions. Poochie needs to be louder, angrier, and have access to a time machine. And whenever Poochie's not on screen, all the other characters should be asking, where's Poochie? Okay. All right. Uh, are yaks mad when they're in heat? Yes. So that was June Bellamy when she says, it's not your fault, Homer. It's those lousy writers. They make me madder than a yak in heat. I... But the reason why I thought that was funny is because she pauses like she doesn't know what to say. And she's trying to blame the writers being lousy, and then they give her a really bad line, such as a yak in heat. So, mm. I thought that was kind of funny. Got it. Yes. Uh, uh, put a sock in it, Roy, is Homer. Okay. Because Roy shows up again, and he just kind of walks in, and Homer just says, put a sock in it, Roy. <laughs> Nothing is bigger than curly fries? So that, I don't know if I actually wrote what that was about, but I remember that was a line in it where someone mentioned something about curly fries. Uh, and I forgot to ask for my, for any money. Well, live and learn. Well, that was Homer. Okay. Because at yeah. the end, he said not only did he lose control of the project, but he also forgot to ask for any money. And then, yeah, you mentioned Krusty uh, dying on his way back to his home planet. That whole uh, segment. Poochie. Or Poochie, yes. That whole segment of and everyone the, was like, "Yeah!" The the entire setup is pretty much what happened in the recording session, where Homer comes in, he refuses to read the lines, and then mm-hmm. June Bellamy's like, "You know, he needs to read the lines, otherwise I'm not going to read my lines." And then they realize, "All right, go ahead and do it." And then Homer has his heartfelt speech about giving Poochie a chance, and mm-hmm. he gets all excited and says, "Poochie's going to be better than ten Super Bowls," and right. So we see the scene, and the setup's right there where you see Itchy saying to him, 
Poochie, you look like you have something to say. Do you? Why, yes, I do. I most certainly do. <laughs> and then you hear Roger Myers come in and being like, I have to go now. And then you just see the animation cell being lifted off the page as Homer or as Fuji is lifted up. And then you just see the title sequence handwritten that said that Pucci died on his way back to his home planet. And then we come back and Krusty just starts yeah, screaming. That's right, everyone. Pucci's, Pucci's dead. dead. And all the kids are very excited about that. <laughs> and then yeah, we mentioned that already, but uh, when Krusty shows the affidavit of promising that Poochie will never return ever, ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been back in references, but the actual character has not been back. In one of the most recent episodes, I noticed that there was, he was on merchandise, Poochie was. Really? Yes. Uh, one of the kids was wearing a Poochie hat. Hmm. So, um, and Roy has never come back, unfortunately. I would love to see some more Roy every now and again, just Roy's popping in boy. for no reason. Roy's Roy is our, our boy. boy. Roy's our boy. He's Roy's going to boy. live with two sexy ladies. <laughs> so. And then finally, what ends it all, which is kind of just like a nod to the viewer, is that we see Bart and Lisa watching an episode of Itchy and Scratchy. There's no Poochie. They're very happy with it because it went back to the basics. And then they look directly at the camera and say, we should thank our lucky stars that they're still putting out a program of this caliber after so many years. And then Bart says, what else is on? And they turn the channel. So, all right. So final thoughts on this episode. Before we do that, why don't we do ratings? So quick ratings here. Two. Yes, it was, it was given a two. In its original American broadcast, the Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie show finished tied for 38th place in the weekly ratings for the week of February 3rd through 9th, 1997, with a Nielsen rating of 8.8. It was the third highest rated show on the Fox Network that week. Okay, were you trying to do your best Micro Machines guy impression? Who? Never mind. Yeah, you don't get it. Alright, so final thoughts on this episode. It's fine. That's it. Um, I have a lot more respect for it once you explain the uh, three to me. Okay. Um, it's all right. It um. I don't know. It took a risk, and I respect it for that. I think that Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie episode needs to be just a short film. That that should that should be the legacy of this episode. They should have just put out that instead of this whole episode that that week. <laughs> I, I I actually really like this episode and not only because yes I think there was a lot of pretty funny moments in it to me like I said that Ralph moment with the buzzer that there there's very few moments on the Simpsons that are as good as that that just really always makes me laugh and I think it's just very very funny um, and honestly I just think it was very clever what they did with this and the fact once I found out the backstory that before this season Fox went to the creators and were like you need to bring in another character to bring up ratings Mm -hmm. and the fact that that's the whole reason they brought Roy in and then working that in with the whole itchy and scratchy thing like Mm -hmm. kind of the series within a series type of thing Mm -hmm. kind of the meta joke there like I just really really kind of appreciate just kind of the the foresight behind it and just think it was pretty clever 
um, that they did it. It's no surprise David X. Cohen was directly involved in this episode because I think that is one of the things he does very, very well with, especially with like Futurama and, you know, things like that. So I really enjoy this episode quite a bit. Um, one of the major reasons we did it was, and of course we were hoping to do this earlier on, but um, as Brandon mentioned, it uh, first premiered February 9th, 25 years ago. So it was just coming up on its, well, it just had its 25th anniversary, so like, I thought it would be a couple weeks ago. A month and a half ago. Yeah. So I thought it would be kind of cool if we did that, um, just kind of as a nod to that, um, since that anniversary came up. But but yeah, like I said, I mean, I really enjoy this episode a lot, and I think it was kind of like what you said. It was They took a swing, and I mean, did it necessarily hit a home run? Not necessarily, but I think... You know, they they did well with it. Yeah, and, and... I was pretty happy with it overall. I mean, I'm, I'm not using a this is a different time excuse because I don't think this episode is problematic in most ways. There are a few... Uh, yeah. But, like, uh, it was a different time in the fact that there w- no shows were, like, making leaps like this like Mm -hmm. chances taking chances like this so i respect it a lot for doing something that nothing else on the air was actually doing because you know when was this 94 98 97 97 all right yeah no 97 was like peak just violent media and like like wwe was huge and that wasn't anything other than big beefy men slapping meat uh and like and scantily clad women yeah and uh and all the movie basically every movie made in like the mid 90s was just big guns blazing action movies nah. But go ahead. The, Continue. A lot I of the major movies, though, were that, and there wasn't much more than that. Um, and like, this feels like something that a modern uh, show or movie would would tackle. This feels like a problem that that would would be addressed in in some in a show that I would have a lot of respect for right. in the modern day. Yeah, so I, this, I think this was kind of like an early adopter of kind of that looking at your show through the show you're making or through the episodes you're making. Like like I mentioned, like Futurama used to do it very very well. Yes. And there's countless examples of shows like that since this time. But I think yeah, like you're saying, I think this was probably one of the originators of an idea like that to actually take this. And Yeah, no. And I've been very critical on Simpsons episodes in the past, but I think I need to start, like, thinking about the fact that this is on... This was on live TV in the 90s and early 2000s when nothing else was doing anything like this mm-hmm. when when everything else was just uh needless dramas like uh Grey's Anatomy or th- 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 those types of right. shows and movies and the comedies were just traditional laugh track comedies exactly. and things like that 
But the one thing I will say too is that's one of the reasons why we bring you on here because you are going to have a different perspective than what Corey and I do have. Because yes, we understand what it was like back then, but you don't. Yeah. And that's not to your fault. You didn't live through it. You don't know. So that's one of the purposes of you know, us starting this and kind of having different generations involved so we look at it through different eyes. So, like, I understand what you're saying, but, like, I don't necessarily mind you coming and having a more critical eye to these episodes because you're looking at it through someone in your generation, you know, the younger generation, which is what I was always interested with. Does this hold up to other generations? You know, we love it because we were part of the beginning and we've been there from the beginning and continued on and things like that. So, um, so yeah, I wouldn't be too hard on yourself with that, but, but I see what you're saying and that's, that's a good thing to look at, but also, you know, like I said, I, I enjoy getting your perspective and the conversations that we have about it. So, yeah. Yeah. No, like you said, I, I am, I was raised in the 21st century when, and uh, we were raised in the 18th. Yeah. Yeah. You were. (laughs) Uh, no, but like, it, I have, I grew up with a lot more experimental media. Right. Um, and, and of course a lot of that has looked to a show like this for inspiration. Exactly. And they've become even, in some cases, even better and have taken the ideas that the Simpsons started with and have gone with it and improved upon it and you know made things even better yeah so what i think is happening is i'm i'm um uh uh reviewing it based on what i know from things that have that have taken this as a an example that it has set and you are taking it and and setting it against uh other shows of the time Mm -hmm. i think uh so so i well and i'm also bringing my own bias yeah because you know of my feelings for the show and my love for it and things like that too so that does have an impact on it i'm not gonna lie there yeah yeah no i but no uh i i have a lot of respect for this episode i i don't think it's the funniest episode they've ever done and i i think that it has a few moments i think i chortled a few times Mm -hmm. um but it's an enjoyable episode Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and um and hearing your view on act three allowed me to realize that i was probably wrong about act three so yeah yeah i'm glad we had had this conversation all right cool okay uh before we go quickly act four you guys got anything go see ethan's show if they can i mean if they can do you want to talk about that quick it's very good. I'm not going to talk about it because I shouldn't talk about it because well, you have to no, see it. Well, no, but I mean, what it is and uh, it's a it's a comedy slash musical show. Well, I just mean like so it was called. It's, it's called Ethan, I Have to Do This Tour. Yes, and it was Ethan Nestor from Crank Game Plays. Yeah, and and we went and saw it yesterday in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, which, which is, is why I am exhausted. That's why we're tired. Because <laughs> we drove back today. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's very good, like surprisingly good. Yes. yes. Um, and yeah, like Corey and I, we went to, um, and we didn't really have the exposure to who he is and what he does. I mean, you've shown us some things, of course, but 
we had no idea, you know, really what we were looking into here, and we really enjoyed it too. So, yeah, yeah and I and he addressed a lot of his fans, including mine, intentions with that show, and it's just you guys just want to support me and support the things that I do, and don't care if it's good or bad. I care. You just say, hey. Uh, you're doing great, and don't be so hard on yourself whenever I ask you for criticism. And that's not what I want to do here. I want you to give me valid criticism. I want to look at you like like if I make something bad that you'll tell me, that you'll say, and not just say, oh, it was great, Ethan, it was, it was phenomenal. And that just, that really stuck with me, and that was, that was a very, very... It was good. You should see it. Yeah, and he had, I'm not going to say what the joke was, but he had a joke on stage of him doing something completely just dumb and ridiculous and and then being like, and you probably still love that. Yeah. You know, and so, but, yeah, so, I mean, that's going to essentially be mine too. Just like, I just really enjoyed it. Um, Corey and I were probably some of the oldest people there. Yep. <laughs> you weren't as but, old as Todd. That's true. Yeah, um, Todd. But no, but we had a really good time with mm-hmm. it, and yeah, I would definitely say. And Lou if, came, yep, and yeah, we picked up Lou and uh, took her as well. Unfortunately, Kaylin was supposed to go, but she wasn't able to because she had her. Um, she's doing her tech week for her play this week, so. Yep. But no, really enjoyed it. I didn't know what to expect, and no one did. You know, he wouldn't tell us anything about it. So, but it was it was really fun and. I would say was even uh, kind of like motivating and you know like he was kind of encouraging people and you know he was even talking about some of the tough times he's had and things like that and so it was good check it out I have a fourth act what that you got? I, I never thought I needed in my life but I love old farmhouses and I love new kids on the block and Jonathan Knight has a show it's, I found it on Discovery TV no Discovery Discovery um, streaming Discovery Plus Discovery Plus and it's called Farmhouse Fixer do you know John Knight from the New Kids on the Block you probably should he's the quiet one I thought Danny was the quiet one no John's, John's the quiet one he's not quieter than that his brother is slowly morphing into Donny Osmond. Not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. But um, I watched, I don't know, at least three or four episodes in one night. And B, who doesn't like any of that crap, was sucked into it. And saying how much that they hated it and everything, but then was like... Yeah! Oh, why are they doing that? They shouldn't do that. And well, that's true oh, because that, that's they shouldn't a, that's a paint terrible a thing. freaking they fireplace. They should paint bricks. Stop painting bricks. Stop painting bricks. If you Dean. if you are listening to this and you are part of an HGTV show, don't paint bricks. Some sometimes it is warranted. No, and I understand. It is never warranted to paint bricks. It's not. Never. Okay. Or That's stones. It. Don't paint bricks. Don't paint stones. Don't do any of that. You paint wood. You paint drywall. You, you paint, paint Dean. That <gasps> stuff. You paint Dean? Okay, right. that's fine. Okay. You can paint wallpaper even. That's fine. Don't paint bricks. Okay. Don't paint bricks. Are you good? 
I'm very tired. Can we wrap this up? Yes. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. Um, hopefully it wasn't too, uh, I think it was a little bit. We had Permani Brothers today. Well, that was yeah, very good. Yeah, that was very delicious. That so. was today? Jesus. Yeah, the, I, it's very, I'm very, very early today. I don't know what, I don't know when. So anyways, yeah, what? I hope that this wasn't too off the wall and we tried to hold it together as best we could. But thank you for joining us today, as always. And if you do want to reach out to us for any reason, again, you can email us at soitscometothispod at gmail.com. You can get us on Instagram, so it's come to this underscore pod. And on Facebook, you can find us, so it's come with the number two, this. And you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcast. And while you're there... Make sure to like and subscribe. So, all right. So let's Thank get you. out of here. Okay, bye. Thank you for coming to our delusional, delirious. Yep. And delusional. Deliriously delusional. Yeah. All right, and we'll smell you later, everyone. Bye. Dean's delusional. So <gasps> Caleb, I forgot to say hello to Caleb. Caleb, I saw you and I didn't say hi to you. And that was mean. And that's my bad. And hi, Jess. And honestly, guys, I'm very tired. I don't know why we're doing those. There is no magic mirror. <gasps> Edit that out. No, that needs to stay in. The truth come out. Does d- magic mirror even exist? That guy over there is just some guy in a suit. <laughs> <laughs>